This show is part of the RetroZap.com podcast network. And welcome everybody to episode 91 of the Animaniacast. See, my heart's in my pancreas, man. Cool it, Bristly. There's no such thing as wailing disembodied phantoms. Right, Phoebe? Of course. Say, has anyone seen Uhuru? Gosh, he's being harassed by those three wild and crazy warners. But let's call him anyway. Uhuru, where are you? Yahoo! We found us a big indoor radio horse. And welcome once again to the Animated Cast. We are the only podcast out there that's dedicated to the animated television series, Animaniacs. And here we explore the series episode by episode, talking about all the cultural references and gags that we can find. And in the end, we give every episode a Water Tower rating. I am Joey, and joining me once again is my brother Nathan... I am averager than the smartest capybara. <laughs> and joining us once again across the country in Georgia, it's Kelly. Hello. Hello, everybody. Uh, well, we have a very... We're, we are in the last season of Animaniacs, if I'm not mistaken, right, Nathan? Uh, yes, that's correct. <laughs> <laughs> it's season five. Season, season five, Animaniacs. Um we're getting closer and closer to the end of our classic Animaniacs discussion. It's so weird. Getting over in the nineties now. And uh, of course we have, we have 99 episodes to talk about and then Wacko's wish. Uh, and then we need to figure out what the heck we're going to talk about afterwards. So if you're listening right now and you have not yet filled out our listener survey, go to survey.animaniacast.com and, uh, let us know what we should talk about in a few, uh, I guess actually in a couple months <laughs> when we're done talking about Animaniacs. Should we talk about Pinky and the Brain, Freakazoid, Tiny Toons, or a combination thereof? And uh, you can also leave some you know, little messages from us as well down there. We always love reading those. Before we get to today's episode discussion, we have some Animaniacs news. So as I'm pulling up the news, Nathan? Mm-hmm. Hit us with the Animaniacs news theme song. Joey's pulling up the news, so I'm singing a song about pulling up the news before he says what the news is about hey. Animaniacs. Very good. Thank you so much for filling time. Yep. <laughs> There's a couple quick uh, bits of news here from uh, for Animaniacs for the reboot that's coming up. Uh, first of all, this actually, Rob Paulson is the, is our, <laughs> the guy who's leaking all this information. Uh, the first bit of uh, news kind of went under the radar from some people, but it came from August 9th. He had an interview with the uh, the Boston, uh, looks like the Boston Metro, I believe is what this is. Uh, anyway, he says uh, some very kind words about uh, Mr. Spielberg, <laughs> for one thing. But we love Yes, we do love Steven Spielberg. <laughs> some more than others. I think Kelly can love Steven Spielberg as much as like, a thousand people, but (laughs) 
here's an excerpt of uh, what Rob Paulson said. When you think about it, here's a guy like Mr. Spielberg, who's probably in his 70s now. He's the king of Hollywood. I don't know when there will be anybody who who eclipses Mr. Spielberg's body of work. So he says a few months ago, here's what I want to do. One of the things I want to do is a bunch more Pinky in the Brains and Animaniacs. That's a very big deal. It not only speaks highly to the quality of the original show, but the fact that it also speaks to the power of animation and what Steven wants to put his juice behind. He's very, very involved. This never would have got done without him. Thanks to Warner Brothers, Steven, and Hulu, they're going to do 26 new half-hour episodes for fall of 2020. He's a, he is very, very involved as he would go as he was in the first go-round. Anytime you can work with Steven, it's cool. But when you can work on something and get another crack at it with a fan base that's exponentially larger than the fan base was when we first made the show, oh my God, you can argue there are 100 million people out there who know Animaniacs and Pinky and the Brain. It's a very big deal. I'm quite looking forward to it, actually. That is about as (laughs) concrete as Rob Balson has said about him being involved and him knowing a lot of details about uh, what the show's going to look like, at least in its initial uh, season there, doesn't it? I would say so. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but that's not it, because um, I don't know if you... There's more? There's more news. Uh, there was a, recently a, uh, you know, those little kids react videos, and they all, you know, what's this VHS tape, and how do you use this Nintendo and they, you know, all those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Well, they did one uh, for the 25th anniversary of Animaniacs and uh, they made one with kids reacting to Animaniacs and they, the kids are reacting positively, positively to it. And they had Rob Paulson and Jess Harnell have reactions to the kids reactions. So it was very meta. I still think somebody should make a reaction of the reaction of the reaction. But anyway, That's just me. (laughs) But anyway, Rob Paulson at the very end said that uh, Randy Rogel has actually written, I believe he said three songs so far for the the reboot. So that kind of jives with some of the other stuff that I've heard, uh, one of which was a a recent uh, episode of uh, Talkin' Tunes, uh, which had uh, Maurice LaMarche and Randy Rogel on with uh, Rob, and at the end of the episode, uh, Randy performed a new, uh, well, skit, I guess you could say, with uh, Maurice LaMarche and Rob, uh, with Pinky and the Brain, uh, kind of like a who's on first kind of thing, and I believe that he even wrote like a song for the brain as well, and when you add this to the updated version of uh the nations of the world. Uh, it looks like, you know, Warner Brothers was smart and they just said, hey, let's get let's get Randy in there and uh, have him continue writing some songs for the new show. So that was very promising news. Um, again, we we were talking before we started recording and it's just as as positive as all this is, it's just very confusing. It's you know, they were talking about how why in the world wasn't uh, you know, Tom Ruger invited back at the same time? It seems like uh it just seems like a very odd thing. It's very confusing. It's very encouraging that Steven 
is so in- involved in the show. Because we love Steven. Exactly, because we love Steven. Uh, it's just so confusing that, uh, uh, you know, why Tom wouldn't be involved on the original one. And I, I think, um, and I can't speak for Tom, but I, I think he's just as confused as we are. <laughs> if I were to gather a, uh, you know, a guess. So just makes us sad. It does. It's, it's so, it's very bittersweet. I, I love the, I love the fact that Animaniacs is coming back and it's a reboot. It's always like a, whenever I see news about it, it's like, it's coming back. And most likely, you know, all directions at this point, which I'm very happy about, is that the majority of the major players of voice actors are coming back as well. And then there's always that, but, you know, thing like that. So try to keep a positive, you know, aspect on it. And, you know, every anything can change, you know, as we, as we know, but um, still, I wanted to make sure we, we shared that news about Randy Rogel coming on and, Again, 26 episodes coming in the fall of 2020 on Hulu. So there you go. So there's your Animaniacs news. Nathan, Kelly, any thoughts on that? I hope it's a good reboot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm cautiously optimistic. All right. Well, that's, that's what I think we all should be right now. It's just, you know, I, I, I don't want to shut it down and say I'm not going to watch it. We're definitely going to be watching it. And we're going to give it our, you know, fair shake. And uh, hopefully it's hopefully it's uh, good. Hopefully it's, it stands up to the original. And well, I'm glad he's involved heavily. Yeah, we're definitely glad Steven's involved. Um, that is, I mean, could you imagine? I, I, no. I don't think the quality would be there at all. And um, as far as I know, though, I mean, with Amblin, again, with that Amblin seal at the end of every Animaniacs episode, you think that... Amblin Entertainment would have to okay any reboot of Animaniacs, we would think. But maybe that's, I mean, I don't know how the legal things go. Hopefully we never find out how legal things go with Animaniacs because the <laughs> Warner, be yeah, we don't want the Warner Brothers <laughs> lawyers to tell us how things go. <laughs> hey, you guys, it's Rob Paulson here. Um, I am so thrilled that we have the Animaniacast to continue to find a way to help me to get a freaking job. Thank you for listening. Bye. Well, let's go ahead and talk about the classic episode of Animaniacs today. And, of course, this is episode 91, and this involved the segments Message in a Bottle, which is more of a, I don't ever call that a segment. But anyway, <laughs> the main segment is Back in Style, and then there was a song called Bones in the Body. And uh, Nathan... Kelly, tell me, if you somewhere to ask you about this episode in just a few words, what would you tell him, Nathan? It's like watching 10 episodes at once or something. Yeah. Of multiple cartoons. <laughs> I don't know. Very much so. And Kelly, what about you? It really made me think about some cartoons that I hadn't seen in a really long time. <laughs> yes, that's very true. Uh, well, Nathan, tell us, when did this episode first premiere? Ooh, okay, Joey. Uh, this episode first premiered on uh, September 8th, 1997, which was a Monday. That's weird. Um, for the last, I don't know, two seasons, they've always been on Saturdays. Uh, and since this is the first episode of the season, I'm just going to go through uh, another movie roundup. So I'll just go through a bunch of movies that came out since the last episode. Uh, last episode was actually in November, so I'm just going to jump ahead to February of 97. We had Fools Rush In. 
and Vegas Vacation National Lampoons. Uh, we also had in March uh, Liar Liar. Uh, in April, we had The Saint and Anaconda. May, we got Austin Powers. Yeah, baby. Uh, the <laughs> Fifth Element. Uh, Lost World, Jurassic Park. That came out in May as well. And then June. <laughs> June, we got Con Air, Batman and Robin, and Face Off. July, we had Men in Black, Contact, George of the Jungle, and Air Force One. And then August uh, didn't really have anything, but uh, Airbud, Conspiracy Theory, GI Jane, I guess. Uh. <laughs> Quite a few movies right there. Uh, well, let's see. What's your favorite of those listed, Kelly? Um, I Air Force One. <laughs> Air Force One, get off, get off my plane. <laughs> <laughs> I I know I should probably say Jurassic Park or you know the Lost World, but I mean Harrison Ford as president. Come on. Yeah, that was that was a cool movie. There's Men in Black was really. I don't know if Men in Black still holds up as much as I it did when it first came out, but I did love that movie. Um, Nathan, what about you? Batman and Robin, man. You know, Mister Freeze, oh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, you got got Poison Ivy. It was just like it's. By far the best Batman movie. They've Most certainly. Oh yeah, totally. That, so, the um... the uh, the the cartoon um, sound effects and the uh, no no when when Batman <laughs> pulls out his Batman credit card. Oh oh man, and then you know they had nipples because that's what a Batman movie was. <laughs> what was that, Kelly? <laughs> Kelly, what did you I say? Said, I said I don't know who you people are anymore. <laughs> okay. I thought you said I'm not going to talk to you people anymore. And yeah. Just hung up. And I was like, yeah, she just <laughs> well, hung up. Well, I mean, after all those comments, uh, yeah, I might be considering that. <laughs> no. That was an awful Batman movie. It really yeah, was. It was. It was. I mean, I remember Batman Forever, and I was like, yeah, that was different, but it wasn't horrible. It was still quirky and had moments of darkness. But then Batman and Robin came out, and I was like, oh man. And I, I was especially upset that I liked the character of Bane so much from the comic book. And then I saw what they did to Bane in that movie, and I was like, oh, man. I call it the um, Day Glow uh, Batman movie. Oh, yeah. Everything is glowing, and, uh, you know, Schumacher directed that, and he he does, like, uh, glowy things in a lot of his movies. Like, even in, uh, oh, gosh, what's the vampire movie with the, 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 uh, oh, what's the, it's on the tip of my tongue. Uh they're all boys that are vampires and stuff. Uh, Lost Boys? Lost Boys, yeah. He re- he directed that. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah. Well, there's a part where, you know, where they kill them and all the, the blood comes out and it's just glitter. It's just like, what is going on? <laughs> Wait, no. Are, are you sure that's Lost Boys and not Twilight? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was that's Twilight. It's not Twilight. Um, no, I swear. When they go into the cave <laughs> at the end and they like cut the, the blood, it just looks like glitter. Watch it again. Maybe it was just the TV screen I was watching it on. Maybe, it was, maybe I had glitter in my eyes. But maybe you were pre- watching Twilight. You know? Maybe I was watching Twilight. <laughs> it would have been a lot better if they killed all the vampires at the end, but whatever. You did me! Well, before we get into our discussion of today's episode, it has a new variable verse once again, and this one was public domain Public domain And they're showing, they're watching It's a Wonderful Life. That was in the public domain for many, many years. And uh, It's a Wonderful Life was shown on, when I was a kid, ad nauseum on every channel around Christmas time. It's almost like you could go... Thanksgiving. Yeah, it just started in Thanksgiving. And 
it's a it's a very good movie. But yeah, it was shown a lot since it was in the public domain. But uh, NBC Universal, I believe, bought it. So now they only show it once or twice a year, <laughs> and only on NBC, <laughs> as far as I know. But uh, yeah, that was our little variable verse right there. So that was cute to see. Any thoughts on uh, It's a Wonderful Life? You two? Um, I think. Well, I think it's last. Uh... New variable verse. No. Yeah. Oh, oh that's sad. No. They're all gone now. That's so sad. Yeah, that's that's what I read. So. No, no. I hope you're wrong, but you're probably right because you read it. You and... should ask our listeners to come up with additional variable verses. Yeah, then maybe they can get writing credits on the reboot. Woo-hoo. <laughs> well, let's go ahead and get to our uh, first sort of segment, and it's a, a message in a bottle. And uh, yeah, basically the the Warners are lost at sea, and they find a message in the bottle, and they open it up, and uh, they it turns out to be what like the the next cartoon they're talking about, right? It was uh the lawyers, yeah, they were, they were getting mad at them. Yeah, the lawyers are saying, "Don't steal was, this bit," right? Yeah, it was a letter from the lawyers. So. No, it's from some entertainment lawyer. We should have never stolen this bit. At least we didn't steal this next cartoon. So. Watching that, I'm going, what are they talking about? Like, I had no idea. Um, and this is a ripoff of Rocky and Bullwinkle. When Rocky and Bullwinkle are, you know, in those little, in their interstitial segments, one of them was Rocky and Bullwinkle in a boat, and they pull out a little message in a bottle and go into their next cartoon. Look, Bullwinkle, a message in a bottle! Fan mail from some flounder? No, this is what I really call a message. A lot like the ones where we watched it before and it was, uh, you know, wacko drawing something and they go into the pad of the drawing pad and things like that. So, uh, yeah, there we go. That was a cute little thing right there. Anything to, to that you have to say about this first uh, message in a bottle thing? Kelly? Well, I didn't understand the reference. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I thought it was a reference to The Little Mermaid. Yeah. What? What do you? Talk about flounder. Oh, flounder. Yeah. Yeah. The. Fl- you know what? Like me too. <laughs> because I was like, friend flounder. Who's? What are they talking about? And I'm trying to think in the '90s what they would be doing. But yeah, that was that went right over my head. So I'm glad I was able to find the original <laughs> to see. Oh, okay. I get it now. Well, anyway, the first big cartoon that we have, uh, the main segment is called Back in Style. And Back in Style was written by Tom Minton, and it was directed by Liz Holzman. And Nathan, tell us what happens here in Back in Style. It's, I guess it's 1962, and they're closing down one of their artistic studios, the animation departments, uh, is based on real life. I can't remember what the actual one's called. We'll go over it later on. So... (laughs) All the animated characters are out of jobs, um, and they go off. Uh, this is Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck. They they go off to separate companies and things like that. Uh, now all that Warner Brothers has is the Animaniacs, the Warner Brothers, and you know Sister Dot. Um, and they're locked in the studio tower, and they're going to put all their money into movies like one starring uh, Chicken Boo. Um, unfortunately, the movies don't do well, so uh, Mr. Plotz decides to outsource 
the Warner Brothers and their sister Dot uh, to uh, uh, lower companies uh, that make things like uh, Yogi Bearish cartoons and uh, Scooby-Doo-like cartoons, stuff like that. Um, and then finally, they start getting more money, which is great. Uh, but the Warners are still having to do these cameo appearances on these other cartoons. Uh, so they demand uh, not the money, but they just demand to stop making these other cartoons. And uh, so they kick Chicken Boo out of the water tower. For some reason, he, Chicken Boo was in there. And uh, they say they won't come out until they get their own network uh, like that would ever happen. Haha, <laughs> they did get one. They did. <laughs> All right, uh, that, that's pretty much you know that's an overall. We'll go into more detail. Yeah, right it's now. their tour through uh, different cartoons of the '60s and '70s, really, isn't it? I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, this is this is kind of a really, it's a really neat cartoon because you get this kind of an animation lesson slash parody at the same time, I, I guess, um, where it seems like it was very. A lot of this was inside joke stuff, I think, that Tom Minton was putting out that maybe frustrations he might have had with animation companies or just stuff that he noticed as a kid, perhaps growing up watching stuff like Yogi Bear and and Hanna-Barbera. I really, when I was watching this, I just kept thinking how cool it was that Animaniacs really did have, uh, you know, like Tom Ruger and, and, and many others that had actually worked in Filmation and Hanna-Barbera and and stuff like that that they 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 knew about <laughs> this cheap animation they were in some cases part of this cheap animation uh actually the ones drawing it all and uh so i just thought that was kind of a a cool almost making fun of yourself in some ways uh kind of cartoon but let's go ahead and go through uh some of the the references and uh, i will tell you folks out there this is a this is definitely one where the the wikipedia and our uh, our old GeoCities list from uh, Please, Please, Please Get a Life Foundation, those folks really went nuts on this episode, and they put so much stuff in. So yeah, I don't think they even got it all, too. I think there's just, no, there's, there's just so much in the episode. There's at least one or two that I noticed that I was like, ooh, I'm going to mention that, and they didn't get it. As, and as much as, it's so funny, because as much as I like to, like, poke fun at the, you know, the people who write the list, I still like it when I caught something that they didn't i'm like ha 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 <laughs> so <laughs> i guess i i have nowhere to talk i i really shouldn't uh be making fun at all let's talk about first of all when the when the animation studio closes bugs and daffy are there which that was kind of cool to see you know porky bugs and daffy uh, making a cameo in animaniacs as far as i know this yeah. is the first time they've ever actually talked on the show right and they had the good voices too yeah they did have <laughs> they had, I, yeah they had the real They've kind of switched voice actors over the years, but mm-hmm. they sounded very good on this episode. Hey, quit shoving. Calm down, Daff. There's a flavored drink commercial with us written all over it in Hollywood. Wait up, Tex. Woo-hoo! Woo-hoo! Opportunist. Uh, Daffy runs off to get signed up first and says, wait for me, Tex, meaning it's in reference to, uh, yeah, Tex Avery who came back briefly to Warner Brothers to direct those ads. What's up, Doc? I'm keeping you away from my pre-sweetened Kool-Aid, Wabbit. This pre-sweetened Kool-Aid is really easy to make because there's no sugar to add. It's already sweetened without sugar. Mother's like that. 
Oh, no, you don't, Wabbit. Mailman. Now, who could have sent me a present? You again. Out you go, Wabbit. Oh, no. Oh, pre-sweetened Kool-Aid is scrumptiliumptious. There's no sugar to add. And you can make pre-sweetened Kool-Aid quick as a bunny. A uh, Bugs Bunny, that is. <laughs> Uh, Frizz Freeling is the guy who's outside talking like Yosemite Sam. Ha! I got me an idea, and you don't. The great man. I just loves the way he talks. What are your thoughts on Pink Panther cartoons? I always thought they were boring as a kid. I'd never... Yeah, I never watched them. I always, like... I like the uh, opening credits, I think, to Pink Panther. Yeah, yeah the, the music. Or... But I always got so confused because you had the cartoon, but then you had the movie. And I was like, but he's not Panther. Yeah, I kept... Yeah, and the movie has the cartoon at the beginning, right? Yeah. But, but the, dumb, the, the, like as a kid, I remember watching, like, you know, my dad would be watching the Pink Panther cartoons. Or not cartoons, but the, the movies. And I kept waiting for the Pink Panther to show up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it was like, I think that's why I didn't like the cartoons is because the movie. I don't know. I just got confused between the two. It's, it was confusing. It was just too um, confusing. And the Pink do they Panther, know what they did to us? I know they <laughs> messed us up. Therapy bills. Send them. Send them over to Pink Panther Incorporated. Okay. <laughs> did you notice the uh, sound cue of Pink Panther when he draws the? Slightly, like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there was slight. I was like, oh, that's nice little Yeah, there. there's a little bit of, and then there's another audio cue that I saw that was also really cool, too, which I, I don't know if you guys caught. We'll talk about that in a few moments. But the music cues in this are very, uh, they're kind of subtle, but they're really cool. Um, anyway, Chuck Jones, like a caricature of Chuck Jones is kind of standing next to uh, Frizz Freeling right there, which that's kind of cool. Chuck Jones, of course, is just awesome. And at this time... Uh, I believe is still alive in the in the late '90s and everything. So the cartoon like, starts. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I wanted to say Yosemite Sam's uh, line after that was really funny. So the just him coming out and saying, "I love the way that guy talks." <laughs> <laughs> well, the cartoon. Uh, you know, one of the first cartoon parodies of, is, of course, a parody of Yogi Bear. Yeah, hey, Lulu, my ring-tailed lima pal. Is this a great day for coming into the suburbs and filching lunchboxes? Or is my name not Calhoun Q. Capybara? This was really cool. I really like the animation. It really got the animation style, I think, of uh, early Hanna-Barbera stuff. And uh, they had little parodies of... Uh, Bill, uh, Hannah, and Joe Barbera as well, uh, which, uh, gosh, what do they call them? Schmo and, oh gosh, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to find it in the, in the things. But anyway, they had little parodies of them in there. And again, that was cool because Tom Ruger having that one-on-one experience with both of them, uh, is just so cool to have those legends of, uh, animation, uh, you know, in some way. <laughs> connected to this this series is uh pretty cool um but what do you guys think about the first uh yogi bear cartoon where the animaniacs come in and start messing around with this capybara um i thought the warners were not probably like the worst part of the cartoon sadly i don't know i thought the yogi bear guy was hilarious like any lines <laughs> he said like "Ooh, a booby trap for me hmm. looks like a booby trap <laughs> to me like. 
And he kind of looked like a uh, hair bear or scare bear or whatever that thing was called. Do you remember that bear from Hanna-Barbera with that big frizzy fro head on? Does that ring mm, any bell? No. no. This was a late 70s kind of thing. Yeah. Hair bear, scare bear. I don't know. It was a, it was a, it was a Hanna-Barbera thing. I don't know. But at the end of this, they, they, you know, they put his head in a, I don't know what they do to him, but basically they, they put, this capybara has this frizzy hair on top and he looks like a scare bear it's, or whatever. It's, uh, it's cooked cauliflower, which cooked I didn't understand. I didn't understand this reference at all. There's a cooked cauliflower. They keep talking about it and his head will turn into cooked cauliflower if he keeps stealing lunchboxes. Taking school lunchboxes is wrong, Cal. Bad things will happen and your head will end up smelling like cooked cauliflower again. Careful, sibling relatives. We mustn't tip off our presents to Calhoun, that crazed cartoon capybara. Script smells like cooked cauliflower. Hey, Calvin, found a use for your script. Is that cooked cauliflower I smell? And the way they beat him, it doesn't make any sense. He tries to eat a log. They didn't force it into his mouth. He puts it in there himself, and then he walks off a cliff. Like, I suppose was just... that was one of the confu- That was one of the things I think that took away was just the animation. I was just following the animation in this more than the the verbal stuff going on. If that makes any mm-hmm. sense? Just because I was just admiring the fact that oh, that really does look like classic Hanna Barbera uh, television animation right there, doesn't it? So. And I was a little disappointed that the Warners themselves did not pop out in that style, but I guess it makes sense that they weren't. But um, I was kind of hoping to see what they would look like if they were drawn by, you know, Hanna-Barbera artists at that time. But whatever. Mm. Anyway. Um, well, uh, Kelly, any thoughts on that uh, first one? I mean, I, I just kept watching it. I'm going, hey, boo-boo. <laughs> I mean, it's, it just really took me, but I, I was, I didn't watch Yogi Bear a whole lot, but I liked, you know, imitating him and, I used, hey, boo-boo. I used to watch Yogi Bear fourth grade. This is before Tiny Toons, I believe, and Yogi Bear, they, they started re-running him in the, one of the syndicated show, one of the syndicated channels, I should say. And, uh, I just love that theme song. Yogi Bear is smarter than the average bear. Yogi Bear is always in the ranger's hair. And uh, I, I can, yeah, still sing it to this day, unfortunately. Obviously. Yeah. Well, the next one was a Hanna-Barbera cartoon parody. I One that I didn't really like that much as a kid. It's a parody of Scooby-Doo. And I think it's called Ruby Roo, or not Ruby Roo. It's Ahururu or something, right? Kind of. Ahururu. Ahururu. Something kind of, um, you know. Star Trek-y sounding. Sound, yeah, almost like Ahura, but not. <laughs> and uh, the dog kind of looks like Scooby Dumb, which I do remember Scooby Dumb. I do remember liking him. But um, it's, yeah, the Warners are basically riding on the Scooby-Doo parody character. <laughs> uh, Frank Welker is once again voicing. He does the exact voice of... Uh, Oh gosh, what's the what's the what's the character's name? Fred, right? Fred. Fred, yeah. Unless he, it's like Rex or something. Yeah, like. but it was just so cool. Like, oh, that's Fred's voice. That's just Fred coming out of that <laughs> I, guy. I saw that Frank Welker was just announced to be at Knoxville Comic Con next uh, summer, uh, and I was like, oh 
My goodness, we are going. See if you can do a promo for the Animaniacast as Runt. Or oh, yeah. <laughs> or I mean, I'll do that after I get him to do Darwin the Dolphin's voice. Oh, that's true. Darwin the but well, he's going to be busy. I hope, yeah. he, I hope he doesn't charge too much <laughs> for voices. Money yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Get Chicken Boo, Chicken get... Boo, uh Mr. <laughs> Plots. Uh, why don't why don't y'all just come to the con too and we can uh, each get one yeah yeah well well maybe i don't know things to consider <laughs> things to put in our budgets um <laughs> well uh yeah th- this one and of course i really liked uh rob paulson doing the voice right there of uh the shaggy character especially instead of saying zoinks he says zinc which that's <laughs> <laughs> like that's that's stupid funny. Side note, this segment has Rob Paulson in it, Jim Cummings, Gail Mathias, and uh, these are the same voice actors who uh, worked on uh, Bump in the Night, which I, I remember. You remember that show, Nathan, with uh, Mr. Squishington, and it was like a stop motion show, Mr. I Bumpy. Think you're making this. No, you're making this up. No, was, I've never heard of it. Jim Cummings played this like green guy who was going around. He's like, my name is Mr. Bumpy, and Bumpy did not. I don't know. I play an audio clip nope. here. I'm a wild green guy living under the bed. I got a little sock before you turn your head. Like a bump to life. Make your heart jump. My name is Mr. Bumpy. I go bump, bump, bump. Yeah, bump. Bump, 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 He's my very best pal. Bump with mine. She's my favorite gal. Bump a closet monster and destruct go too. But those guys don't bother Bumpy. He knows what to do. Let's bump. Bump, 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 bump. Everybody bump. Bump, 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 bump. He goes a hundred It was a really cool show. It was a really cool show. Anyway, the vo- and that was in the 90s. It was on ABC. It was good. Saturday mornings. Oh, I was boycotting ABC in the early 90s. Oh, that's right. Uh, Young Edina Jones canceled. We love it forever. All right, I forgot. <laughs> well, anyway, so that was that was cool. But uh, any thoughts here on the Scooby Doo parody, guys? I thought it was funny when um, Shaggy, whatever his like parody name was, yeah. <laughs> said something sort of. It was like my beads fell off, or I jumped out of my beads, or something like that, because he's so hippie and he lost his beads. <laughs> Nathan, anything? from you um i don't know how they got hurt at the end when i was watching they all just kind of fall over after the song's done and i don't think it was the warner's fault so i don't know what the issue was i guess oh and i should also point out because they they could say uhuru and which made me think of uhura and that one lady looked like uhura she kind of did which made me I wonder mean, as far as the, the dress anyways right right that was special you're cute uhuru what do you want to do next? Let's play cheesy fake rock songs. It was a cool thing, and it had some really cool music, right? It had that awesome, stupid uh, rock music and animation where they were just kind of jerkily dancing, which I thought was awesome. Just like the classic uh, stuff, of, which I would never really like Scooby-Doo, though. I was never really a huge fan of that cartoon. That just got weird and boring to me and they could throw they in, a little repetitive it, yeah they could throw in as many globe trotters and laurel and hardy and batman episodes as they wanted. that was actually really good one 
it was still never never that interesting to me. It was never that interesting to me until a pup named Scooby-Doo. And then I was into Scooby-Doo again because that was actually a funny show and a lot of energy and it wasn't as repetitive uh, as the classic stuff. But anyway, uh, the next cartoon was a, another one that I had I have very little memory of. I, my dad liked this show, but they didn't really show it that much when I was a kid. Underdog. So they had this underdog parody where instead of like a, a magic pill that he he swallows, he has to, I guess, smell a feather or something or have a magic feather, kind of like Dumbo. I don't know. He tries to save his girlfriend. The Warners take away his feather and laminate it and put it into a book, which makes the underdog character uh, collapse under the weight of I forget what he was lifting. It's a, it's like a hundred thousand tons. It's like something. a weight or something like that, right? Yeah, it's a giant weight, but it's like a hundred tons. It says on it. And the bad guy has a very weird line, <laughs> which he's dressed up like a castle, and he says, "Wait till I lower the drawbridge" in a very menacingly menacing way. <laughs> Watch out, or I'll lower the drawbridge. Now, I don't know what's going on with that, but if they were thinking about something else, but that was just a little upsetting to me. I don't know. but Yeah, I, I didn't know how else to take that. Yeah, I was just like, okay. What I think was even more upsetting, though, in many ways, was what happened to this underdog character because of the Animaniacs taking his feather away. Mm. And Nathan, tell us. Um, he flashes the camera, which is very upsetting. <laughs> Is that what we're talking about? Sort of. And what happened to him, though? <laughs> um, his whole body's been crushed, so he doesn't have any legs anymore. He only has... He has to s- sit on top of a stool. Yeah. Just he's his like upper Darth half Maul. of his body. Yeah, he's like Darth Maul, but with a mm-hmm. stool. <laughs> and no cool robotic legs. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, he, and I had to check, in the, and I actually rewound it to say, wait, did they show his legs earlier in the scene? But no, they don't. They had a very no, well, good cut. They, they show him walking, though, and you could see he has blue legs at that point. Oh, really? So see, I thought yeah. I couldn't see them from the shot I saw. Oh, okay. Right. Well, I take it I back. Saw, I saw a little bit of blue. So oh. Like, well, that was just his prosthetic. for that one. That was just his prosthetic blue cartoon legs that he puts on when he uh, wants to walk in the garden. Sense. But then we pan over to this old fat cartoon character, and it goes into a parody of uh, Fat Albert and the Cosby Kids. Hey, name four sources of warm milk. Hot chocolate and three cows. <laughs> Got the comedy hook nose, Harold. They already did. Fat Albert, I, I remember as a kid. That I watched it, I just don't remember anything about it because <laughs> I don't remember it being very funny. And and the laugh track underneath it was always um, kind of annoying and confusing. Like, oh, I'm supposed to be laughing at this stuff. But that's what filmation animation did on a lot of their cartoons, which was um, just odd. But uh, what did you guys think about? This uh, this one where the the Warners are going in with uh, Fat Albert and that one who's this one little who's that one short guy that wasn't even part of the uh, of their little junk gang. I don't even know. 
No, I don't know. Do you remember who I'm talking about? Though? Oh yeah, like because he, he has a funny name. I didn't, I didn't catch. Yeah, what his name I was like, was. who is, I was is like, that? Joey will tell me who that is. No, I didn't know, and I couldn't see anything in the notes to talk about. Is this like a celebrity or something? It was just. I assumed it was some celebrity. I was like, Joey will say who that is. No, I'll I figure it out later. I'm not going to invest my time figuring this out. <laughs> no, I didn't either. Well, he's there. <laughs> well, someone, maybe someone listening will. Yeah, if you know who that little short guy is with the weird play, name, play what his name is. <laughs> okay, his name is. Tadeo! What the heck am I doing here? You got a funny name. There. Um, we don't know who that is. <laughs> so, anyway, what did you guys think about this one? Uh, let's start with uh, Kelly. What did you think? Well, I I thought it was potentially offensive um, because they made the Fat Albert character a white guy. Um, yeah. So I- Saw that being is potentially offensive. It it may have been more offensive if they, you know, <clears throat> I don't know. I I honestly don't know. It was. I, I personally wasn't offended, but I was like, um, I don't know if this was the best choice, and I really don't think, um, particularly nowadays, that that would be um, very well accepted. Well, they especially wouldn't be doing a cartoon. It'd be like whitewashing is what they call yeah, it. Yeah, it would be whitewashing plus talking about something affiliated with Bill Cosby as well. So that would be two reasons why they would not parody. Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you called them the Cosby kids before the show, and I, I didn't remember that aspect of Yeah, well, I remember. And the voice. I, I remember the voice. Yeah. Well, I remember they would, you know, rerun Fat Albert during, you know, in the 80s. And... They would say at the beginning of Fat Albert and the Cosby Kids. And I would always go, well, the Cosby Kids are on the Cosby show. Why is it calling it the Cosby Kids right yeah. now? Well, it does, that, was I, as, that was as confusing as the Pink Panther. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's all very confused. And then, like, you know, his name isn't even Cosby on the Cosby show. It's Huxable or whatever. Yeah. Claire, oh. though. Claire Huxable <laughs> and Keithlet. They they talked about it on Saturday Night Live yeah. this week. I'm like, yeah, that is upsetting. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, so that was that one, and yeah, and they were all blue, which was which was. I, I I still thought it was funny though because it was still making fun of a cartoon I didn't like that much as a kid. So <laughs> in that aspect, I was like, yep, this is like you know they talk about well we gotta you know you can't talk about the comet that falls down. You just you can't show the comet that that crashes. You have to talk about it, and then and uh, you you can't uh, show any other frames other than these, you know, can, you know, four frames in a row because we ran out of our budget <laughs> to show anything else. So that kind of introspective stuff in this particular segment I thought was really cool because it was like almost in some ways the cheapest animation you could get uh, with the filmation one. But we had uh, one more uh, segment, and that was like the Beatles one, I believe, right? That was the Beatles parody. And uh, I can't even remember what these these guys were called, but they were... They were uh, Doodlebugs? Is that what they were? I have no idea. That uh, just popped into my head. It was something in the, on the drums. I didn't get to read it. Uh, well, like every time I yeah. watched it, I missed it. <laughs> Well, they, uh, but they, they were parenting actually, I mean, the Beatles actually had their own, uh, cartoon show and they were drawn differently than the, uh, the, the yellow submarine cartoon characters. 
But that's kind of what they were going for with this one, I believe. Although there was a cartoon, and Kelly and I mentioned Doodlebugs. There was some cartoon, wasn't there, with bugs that acted like the Beatles that, I don't know, now you're getting my memory stirred up for some other cartoon, I think, that was, that existed, perhaps. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, anyway, uh, they sing kind of the uh, a parody of Day Tripper on this one, and... Yako, the highlight for the, me for this one was Yakko, Wacko, and Dot singing in excellent harmony together. She was a night traveler, one-way passport, yes. It took us quite long to get wise. thought that was sounded really cool but what did you guys think what about this last beatles ish segment nathan um i thought it was short i don't know it was only there just so they could read a newspaper i thought but the cover song was nice Mm -hmm. but i don't know there wasn't any like jokes in it i don't think kelly i i just kept watching it thinking i know what this is parodying but it's not quite the Beatles because it's something that was parroting the Beatles. But so I guess that made it kind of meta. I'm not sure. <laughs> exactly. But um, <laughs> so I was focused on that. Like I should look that up. And, and I'm trying to look it up now, and I still can't find it. But I I can see the original characters that they're kind of basing off of in my head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's it's so funny. Just with the hit, well, and especially the way the animation was done with especially with folks like Hanna-Barbera, I mean, they would copy themselves off. I mean, they would, they would rip themselves off with uh, Scooby-Doo sort of productions, you know? You have, well, Scooby-Doo and some kids, let's get uh, a shark and some kids, or this uh, dune buggy and some kids together solving mysteries and playing music and all this stuff. So it it, it kind of blurs together. Like, wasn't there a cartoon that was kind of like that? But <laughs> it was just a interesting time uh of animation uh anyway but i did find one reference in this cartoon that was not mentioned in our list at least not that i could find there's one part where this old essentially i think he was one of the hanna-barbera-esque animators and uh, i think he says he's a, a professional crony is what his job was but he said he could draw with his feet and he starts drawing with his feet on the wall uh, in the nursing home. And the nurses mm-hmm. come in to wipe off the walls. And it plays this kind of like boop, 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 boop music. But underneath it, you can, pl- you can hear the theme song to Michelangelo from Hooked on a Ceiling. Do you know I could draw with my feet? And now, for the first time. And how appropriate that you know, making art, especially like on a wall (laughs) that uh, Richard Stone would kind of incorporate that music into there. So uh, there's a lot of, I mean, this cartoon is really, really layered and there is stuff that we missed on this, but, uh, Oh oh yeah. uh, Like 
the like Chicken Boo, the good, the Boo and the Ugly is canon as an actual movie. In yes, because there's a billboard in the background, and there's the parodies of many Chicken uh, Boo movies, like Sham. Instead of shampoo, it's Shamboo, mm-hmm. uh, and there's a, a few others as well. There's like a Hong Kong Fooey reference uh, listed on there. There's it's so I much. Like See, I, I like. I saw a little bit of Hong Kong Fooey growing up, but not too much. There's just so much out there. Mm-hmm. Especially today. It's like, how are you going to parody? I keep thinking like in the, in the reboot, it's like, how do you, what do you pick to parody? Everyone says, oh, they're going to parody Donald Trump and the Kardashians. But the Animaniacs, at least the classic series, didn't really go after a lot of modern celebrities. Yeah, they yeah, never went after like Saturday Bill Clinton. <laughs> yeah, Saturday Night Live can do the the stuff that's going on right now but it seems like animaniacs at least in this aspect worked better when it was talking about stuff that happened 20 30 40 years ago you know or more sometimes mm-hmm. um but whatever we'll have to see what they what the showrunner decides to do in this uh, in this reboot well, but that's what made it work because they'd go after older stuff so older people you know parents and stuff that would watch it would get the references, you know, based on what they, you know, were parroting, but it would be funny for the kids who didn't even know this were. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, and I, that's kind of what I was, I was thinking the other night. Like, I really kind of hope that they maybe parody stuff that's going on in the eighties or nineties, you know, perhaps so that parents today can have that same experience with their kids that their own parents might've had with them when the show, original show came out. But We'll see. We'll see. I don't know. It seems like they like the Animaniacs did a lot of current movies too, though, like Speed and True. you know they'll do a lot of '90s movies in the '90s. Now it's like, oh, remember that '90s movie? But yeah. So I wonder if they would do that as well. They might, may do. There might be a, bi- a bit of a balance. I mean, even last yeah. episode we talked about how like Dumb and Dumber was a reference mm-hmm. in it, and so that was a yeah very modern I, reference at the time. I don't think they'd make that reference nowadays because it's kind of random. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, what are your, any last thoughts on this uh, first quite a epic segment right here? Uh, which by the way, this is the shortest episode of Animaniac. So it's really amazing that they were able to fit all this stuff into such a, essentially such a short segment, even though it has a commercial break in the middle. Um, well, it's a long, yeah, it's not, it's not the shortest segment. Of well, yeah, it's yet. the shortest episode complete. Yeah. <laughs> the total runtime of this Animaniacs episode is apparently the, the shortest of all of them. Maybe. So. I don't know. Did yeah. you, I this is unsubstantiated all stuff off the please, please, please <laughs> get a life foundation list, by the way. So if, don't get mad at us. If we're wrong, get mad at that one guy. It's, 20 it's years one of the ago. shorter episodes. So I don't, yeah. if it's not the shortest, it's shorter. <laughs> well, anyway, what are your what are your thoughts? Any last thoughts on this uh, cartoon before we move on to our song? Um, the bucket and the thunder dog. It says like H two O N two C L, and it should say H two O N A C L. I think it'd be like salt. Water. See, I thought it said N two C L, but then I thought, well, maybe it's just the two is just a weird looking A. Maybe like the whole Acme. Oh <laughs> yes, exactly like the Acme song. <laughs> Wacko wrote the 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 A on the uh, the giant <laughs> container. No wonder. Thank you. Yeah, Canon. 
This way to commercials. Hey, it wasn't my idea. According to legend, General Grievous was known to boast of the number of lightsabers he had acquired from the bodies of his slain Jedi enemies. Grievous was the first in a long tradition of collectors of rare items. A tradition that continues to this day on the Retro Zap podcast known as the Dork Lair. Dork Lair. Greetings, persons perusing podcasts. Are you looking for something a little different for your Star Wars-themed shows? Then join millions of others who now proudly call themselves scoundrels. I don't think it's millions, Taxes. It has to be close by now. After all the word of mouth and interwebs, nothing exists in a vacuum, Dennis. Space does. I'm not sure what this space vacuum you're talking about is. Never mind. So if you're looking for a unique show for news, hot space opinions, unique discussion points with our hypotheticals, or Taxes' musings with Saber Clash, and tune into Starships, Sabres, and Scoundrels with me, Dennis Keefley. Me, Jay Krebs. And me, your humble little Dark Lord of the Shtick, Darth Taxus. From failed bits to musical guests to dancing Wookiees, you never know who might drop by. You really never do. So start your engines, fire up your sabers, hold on tight, and join us. For Starships, Sabres, and Scoundrels. Part of the RetroZap Podcast Network. This is Michelangelo from the best episode of Animaniacs, Hooked on a Ceiling. His eminence is coming, so you'd better listen to the Animaniacast. Okay, let's go and move on to our last segment, which is a song, and it's called Bones in the Body. This is Randy Rogel, and you are listening to the Animaniacast. Bones in the Body was written by Randy Rogel. It was directed by Liz Halsman. And Kelly, tell us what uh, what's Bones in the Body all about? Okay, well, when you see that it's written by Randy Rogel, you're thinking, well, this is probably going to have a song that's pretty educational. So the uh, Warners and Mr. Skullhead and a prospector are sitting around a campfire one night, and they're, they're eating, you know, barbecue grilled whatever they're eating and um well not grilled but <laughs> they're like they're like roasting stuff and eating meat and you know they oh them bones and start eating it and then they uh throw some to Ron. he makes a guest appearance and he's like oh i love them bones and Ooh, good bone yeah definitely, definitely good bone the prospector keeps asking yakko to sing a song and some beans and Yakko's like, no. He's like, I won't offer you beans. So then Yakko says, okay. So he's using Mr. Skullhead as a uh, as a guide, and he starts, They well, they all start singing about the bones in the body. The foot and toes and ankle help us walk. We should be thankful they're connected to the lower leg or else we'd all fall down. Right here's the tibia, the shin bone, and the fibula is ingrown to the back of the patella, which is also called the knee. They actually, I, they actually use the technical terms, but and then and also the more commonly um, used or layman terms of the bones and you know they talk about the radius and the ulna and the but then the you know the funny bone and and 
the thorax, but it also, you know, it's called your sternum and everything else. And so they, they kind of go through basically from the toes to the head and think about all the bones. And uh, that's really about it. Except after he's done, the prospector wants to know if Yako knows any more songs. You know, like camp town races or she'll be coming around the mountain and yeah goes like no no nope so that's the only song he knows <laughs> that was your real foot stopper see you don't know jimmy crack corn do you nah she'll be coming around the mountain who heather locklear camp town races or how about danny boy i love that danny boy uh, i'd really need the chart Rachmaninoff's Concerto Number no. 2 in C-sharp minor? You gotta know that. First movement? Yep. Don't know it. Dang. How about Michael Rowe, the boat ashore? We could do a round or kumbaya. You know that one? And I think, uh, I, and I'll double check again, but I think, again, uh, that they were actually playing small samples of those songs as, uh, you know, meaning Richard Stone was playing small samples of those songs, I think. Although the Rachmaninoff Piano Concerto Number no. 2 in C minor uh, <laughs> was is apparently a very uh, difficult song to to do. So that, uh, and also to say, mm-hmm. like, three times fast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, did you look up that song on, like, YouTube or anything? It was, <laughs> no, I haven't. wild. Yeah, it's the guy playing it looks like... I'm like, ah, that's... It, it just sounds like he just banging the piano basically wow well it sounds like he's hitting random notes let's play a clip of it right now Yeah. yeah, he's really good. We all heard it. Uh, <laughs> that was not put in post. Okay, so, <laughs> well, uh, Nathan, Kelly, what did you guys think about the Bones in the Body song? Uh, Nathan, let's start with you. What did you think? Um, I thought it was educational, um, and I like that it's educational, and I'm glad I got to see Mr. Skullhead, and I'm glad I got to see Runt. It was the last time Mr. Skullhead was uh, shown, I suppose, huh? But it was yeah, nice. He uh, was done in an educational way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he'll get one more like quick appearance. But yeah, uh, yeah, this is like his major like featuring mm-hmm. him. Yeah, and he got a kiss on the head from Dot, which was cute. <laughs> I always like how Mister Skullhead just looked at them, <laughs> like he looked confused, and he just it just looks so funny. Just they're like, jumping around the place all happy, and he has that same motionless face of just. Huh? Yeah, I don't know what I don't know what emotions are going through Mr. Skullhead as they got his ripped ripped off his clothes and everything to talk about all his bones. But um Kelly, what did you like about this cartoon? 
Well, like uh, Nathan stole my answer because it's educational, and you know me. And he, you know, I was like, "Oh, I can file this away for use on Jeopardy," but um, because you know they'll be calling me any day now. Any day now. And uh, so I, yeah, I liked it. I I thought it was cute. Excellent. Well, I guess that's about it for this episode. Let's go ahead and get to our water tower rating. <laughs> Well, what do you guys think? Out of five water towers, how many would you give this episode? Nathan, let's start with you. Mm, uh, I'll say I'll give it like um, three and a half water towers because it was pretty good. I thought some of the animation was a little weak at times, but um, at least they addressed it by saying that the animani- the Warners were off model, which was funny. But um, I was... I'll say three and a half, I think. Uh, Yeah. And Kelly, what about you? I will also go with three and a half. Uh, Thought it was pretty good. And um, like the song. And, you know, I always like the ones with the songs that are, you know, particularly that they're when they're. And uh, it was just cute. Well, I'm going to go ahead and give it uh, four water towers. Uh, I really like the, the history to this cartoon. Uh, meaning that I just, there was so much stuff in it. I had a cool song at the end by Randy Rogel, which I had never heard before. It was not featured on any of the CDs that I was aware of. So it was brand new to me. And I was like, when I see brand new stuff, um, yeah, it was just a, it was just a really fun episode. So four out of five for me. Well, I guess that's about it for today's episode. Let's go ahead and get to some contact information. Kelly, where can people get in contact with you online? They can find me on Twitter at Yoda Princess, Y-O-D-A-P-R-N-C-S-S, or email me, Kelly, at BigShinyRobot.com. And Nathan, what about you? I'm so glad you asked, Joey. I'm on Twitter, uh, DjangoFT, that's me. All right. And as for the Animaniacast, you can reach us on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, and of course, we're over at Discord as well. You can join the Discord RetroZap community by going to discord.animaniacast.com You can send us an email animaniacast at retrozap.com and you can write us an iTunes review. If you do and you send us an email telling us which review you did you can get a free Animaniacs decal. So, for Nathan and Kelly, this is Joey saying good night everybody! Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. This podcast is not endorsed by Warner Brothers or Amblin Entertainment and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Animaniacs, the Warner Brothers logo, all names, pictures, and sounds of the Animaniacs characters or any other Animaniacs-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Warner Brothers, Amblin Entertainment, or their respective trademark and copyright holders. All original content of this podcast is the intellectual property of the Animaniacast unless otherwise indicated. Zink! I like fell on my beads, man! 